Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. And a very pleasant good evening and welcome once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, nice to have you with us. I'm Neil Scott. We're here until midnight tonight. The only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction and a focus on recovery. What a great show we have for you tonight. We are at the 40th annual NADAC conference uh, in Seattle, Washington. It is uh, an opportunity for counselors and addiction professionals from, well, not only this country, but from around the world to gather. They do this every year. Seattle happens to be the destination this year. We have a great show lined up for you. We're going to talk to Pedro Ganas from Austin. He's got a recovery radio show down there. Also does a lot in terms of uh, treatment in the community. Wilderness guy Jim Yaney will be stopping by to visit with us, along with author, trainer, and longtime counselor George DeWars. You don't want to miss that. He's very, very good. And then Raven James with Tales from Sex Camp. That's right, and a preview of her new book about healthy sexuality. Longtime addiction trainer and author C.C. Knuckles will stop by. All that coming up for you on Recovery Coast to Coast tonight. Again, we are at NADAC, and if you're not familiar with NADAC, it's the Association for Addiction Professionals. They've been around now for 40 years. They've got about 85,000 counselors, educators, and healthcare professionals in the United States that are affiliated in some way with NADAC. It's the premier global organization of addiction-focused professionals, members providing services in a variety of settings, people from the public arena, private counseling, hospitals, private practice, and community-based recovery health agencies. So we're going to meet all of those and have a lot of fun as well here at the 40th Annual Conference for NADAC. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our first guest right after this. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay. Pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800 662 9111. Nothing destroys young lives and tears families apart like chemical dependency. But you have the power to put the pieces back together again with one call to Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized program and professionally certified staff treat each individual teen with care and compassion. Safe, gender separate, successful treatment. Sundown M Ranch helps put families back together. 1 800 326 7444. 1 800 326 7444. Call today. Reason number 22 to switch to Geico. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask Geico about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. 
Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Bruce Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the year five nights a week, two hours a night. Talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. A broadcast from the 40th Annual NADAC Conference, brought to you in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers. They're just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery, addictiontreatmentrehab.com. Uh, we meet a lot of interesting people at these conferences and uh, uh, met a guy that I, I wish I'd met sooner because we go down to Austin once a year for the Big Texas Rally for Recovery. And this guy is pretty active in, in Austin. In fact, He's got a radio show that's on the air every Monday night in Texas. You can uh, listen to him on KOOP 91.7 FM in Austin. And his name is Pedro Gatos, and Pedro is here at the conference. Pedro, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Hey, thank you so much. How for long have you been doing your radio show? I've been with Co-op Radio since uh, 2001, and um, I did start off like a Friday news and analysis show, and, and then it kind of evolved into this bringing light into darkness show, which is of the same venue, you know, news and news and public affairs, international news and public affairs. So about 12, 13 years. I'd what say. do you do on the show? Well, you know, it's a uh, it's kind of a selfish thing. I'm really always been very interested in in uh, social theory and and uh, uh, issues connected to getting at the core of what kind of creates a lot of the uh, what I think are man-made problems and and uh, inadequacies mm -hmm. of taking care of humanity, so to speak. So. With the radio show, I I, um, I study a lot and I read other people's work and 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 things that are really really interesting to me. Um, I pursue and I pursue guests to come in to talk about those things. Outstanding! It's in Austin, Texas, bringing light into darkness. You're also involved in the treatment field in Austin, and you're doing a presentation here at NADAC on marijuana. I am. I am. It's a um, a controversial subject. We're sitting in one of the two states, as you know, that that have legalized a mm -hmm. small uh, small amounts of marijuana for possession and personal use. Uh, there's medical marijuana now in 23 states. Continues to uh, uh, spread. And uh, in my experience, uh, there's been there's been overstatements as to uh, its uh, its safety and and uh, overstatements about its dangers. And I try to, from a, a science-based uh, and sourced out perspective uh, separate or weed out fact from fiction. Pedro Gatos is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Don't believe everything you think. That's uh, what is on his business card. God, I love that. And I'm, you know, this is radio, so you obviously cannot see, but I'm looking at this guy that's got a hat on that is a brain. What the hell's going on with that? Well, well thanks, thanks for asking. One, one thing is very few people actually realize that it is a brain. 
And uh, last night, somebody did. And I was working on this presentation thing for, yeah. for, for tomorrow or whatever. No, I think uh, I think that's what it's all about. I mean, the brain is 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 a is a frontier that will will, will never be fully yeah, appreciated yeah. and understood, and it's one of the things that has really really intrigued me. And that's kind of the approach that I I, I, I use with clients, with friends, with anybody that's interested, with respect to the uh, uh, the sanctity of the human brain and body, and that really uh, drugs can only mimic or uh, uh, or somehow hijack or enhance or somehow uh, affect a, a natural occurring potential we already have. Mm. And uh, that's whether it's, you know, just real quickly, you know, when you're the fight or flight, we've all been there. You know, if you've ever been chased by a grizzly bear, you know, you will be able to run faster than you've ever run in your life. You won't have to stretch out first or anything <laughs> like that. You're just, you're, you're, you're gone. And, and when we do... Um, when we do speed or, or any kind of stimulants, uh, the same type of adrenaline uh, thing goes on. The pupils dilate, the bronchial passageways dilate, so you get oxygen to all your big, large muscle groups, so you can run faster. And um, but we tend to give magical powers to uh, to drugs, and they don't have it. I mean, what they do is the magic is between your ears, and and, and particularly our species has mm -hmm. the most developed and uh, cerebral cortex that allows us to have radio shows in the middle of the lobby of a hotel. Yeah. Uh, go figure. <laughs> Pedro Gatos is joining us tonight for a few moments on Recovery Coast to Coast. His mission is bringing light into the darkness. He certainly does that on his radio show. But tell me about the other things that you do down in Austin treatment-wise. Well, um, it's to be honest, it's really not um, treatment. My, my, my professional career was about 24 years. I was uh, involved with uh, uh, managing the alcohol counseling service for Travis County. And uh, in that capacity, we were responsible for everyone that had a DWI arrest or other alcohol or drug related arrest would come through and we would try to uh, approximate what level of counseling would, would, would meet their needs without mm -hmm. overwhelming them with unnecessary counseling uh, sanctions. So we had the whole gamut. We had people that made a real bad decision one night, got out behind the wheel and got a DWI. And then we had those people that were you know, chronically, sure. chronically uh, substance dependent. And uh, so that's what um, we did, and, and we created, and we evolved the process in which to uh, just kind of measure signs and symptoms and be able to uh, convey that type of assessment in a language that made sense and was acceptable to clients. I mean, it's really important that um, you know, if a client feels like it's um, they're somehow being, um, you know, abused in, in, in a in a criminal justice system, they shut down, and, and, and really that's one of the main themes. If, if we're not working towards getting people to change, then we're really failing as, uh, as counselors in, in, in this field, I think. One of the things that has impressed me greatly in my travels down to the great state of Texas, there's a great recovery movement down there. Yeah. There really is, yeah. and, and, and people really take it seriously, and they enhance their recovery. You know, we often talk about uh, relapse prevention. I like to talk about recovery enhancement. What are you doing to be better today yeah. than you were yesterday? And there's a big difference between being abstinent and being in recovery. Absolutely. Well, you know, and, and recovery to me, uh, I, I mean, I see a revolutionary potential in recovery. This is a radio show that I do with international issues that go on that the principles that underlie recovery and the principles uh, and, the, and that whole uh, maturity that occurs when you're trying to uh, reclaim 
these uh, these important I, I call them emotional uh, maturities mm -hmm. that, that may be very immature and people do their own thing within you know recovery program and, and such those principles are huge to um, I believe uh, turning the world around and saving uh, humanity which I think is really pointed in a very very dangerous direction mm -hmm. and of course we also have to involve the families when we talk about people getting help people going into recovery and all of that as a, as a solid necessary support system absolutely absolutely yeah and, and and that's one of the things that's important you know a lot of people feel like hey I'm drinking or drugging and what I do is my own business and as you know very well no it's not your own business it affects everyone that cares about you and so it's a very selfish even though many times it's not appreciated or realized but yeah it's a it's a it's a dis disease that affects every everybody it touches Pedro Gattis joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. We're at the NADAC Conference, 40th Annual, the Association of Addiction Professionals. Pedro's website, by the way, is pedrogatos, P-E-D-R-O-G-A-T-O-S dot org. Uh, can they get archived shows there? They can get a couple of them. I'm really working on I'm a, I'm a one-man band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join, join, I, join the one-man band yeah. association. And But but we do. I do have all shows archived, and I'm really proud of what's contained in them. And, and that next step, uh, or in that ongoing step, is to continue the program going each week, but also trying to make that available uh, on the website and in other fashions and such. So thanks, yeah, thanks so much for uh, for asking. And I want to tell you what a, what a great privilege it is to have met you and to be on your show and to see that we're all the way. I mean, this beautiful place here. I've never yeah. been, I've never been to this part of the world. Really, never. welcome. And it's just a, it's just gorgeous, yeah. uh, Seattle and. It's always nice to uh, run into a, a fellow radio broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Gatos joining us tonight. He's the radio host, KOOP 91.7 FM in Austin, Texas. They are on the air on Mondays between... Uh, 6 to 7 Central Standard Time, so that would Central. be out here in Seattle. We do a little four. math here. Yeah, do <laughs> Let's make sure we go the right way. Here go the right way. You don't want to get you four hours early or four hours late. All but right. It would be, uh, As Pedro says, don't believe everything you think. Oh, that's great. i, I got to remember a that. A little humility, man. It's really important. And Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. I broadcast from the 40th Annual NADAC Conference. NADAC is the Association of Addiction Professionals. is being brought to you in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers. They are just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery. Everybody has a different path, as we know. AddictionTreatmentRehab.com is their website. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more. Stay with us. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them, hello, <laughs> when he fell, uh, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed tidal wave. Oh, so you're locked out. <laughs> well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. But Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a of basic membership. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education. 
offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with mm. more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. I uh, And it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Try new Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. You knew you couldn't go on like this. Alcohol was ruining your life. But there was no way you could take time away from work to get help. Until now. Sundown Am Ranch Outpatient Program fits your schedule and it works. Sundown Am Ranch, located outside of Yakima, Washington, offers individual, group, and family counseling, plus relapse prevention services. Their nationally recognized drug and alcohol treatment programs will put you on the road to recovery. Get your life back on track. Go online at www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are at the NADAC convention, the NADAC conference. It is the 40th annual conference of NADAC. Uh, They're a great organization, the Association of Addiction Professionals. And this particular segment is being brought to you by the good folks at Bull Creek and Bella Vista Recovery. Uh, They are just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery. Their website, addictionrecoveryrehab.com. Joining us in this segment, and it's great to be at these conferences because you get to meet a lot of exciting different people who have different paths to recovery. One of the great paths is faith-based, and Jim Yaney is with the Wilderness Expeditions, Tree of Life Christian Wilderness Expeditions, TLC for short. It's a great program, and and he gets a chance year-round to take people on expeditions in the outback, so to speak. He's from Oregon, and we certainly won't hold that against him. Welcome to the program, Jim. Tell us about TLC, something you've been doing for quite a while and something that you do year-round. A lot of people think, you know, these expeditions is just in the, in the good weather, but you do it all the way around the calendar. Yep. Um, Neil, we, um, you know, the vision of uh, Tree of Life was really not to uh, go beyond the scope of uh, maybe traditional camp services that folks might do just for fellowship or right, right. retreat or something. But Tree of Life has really been an intervention program working with families that uh, we basically do a full assessment, do some skill building. Before and, you take uh, them out in the wilderness, of course. Um, actually, the, uh, the, treatment, um, the treatment plan is developed before they go out into the woods. It's not a survival program, so a lot of folks will look at a wilderness program. It's right. like, am I going to go out there and make fire or something? And uh, that's really not the point. It's uh, really the vision of Tree of Life is that it's a, a wilderness hospital where folks that are at a residential level of care are going to be cared for 
and supported in early recovery at a residential level. You're down in Cape Falls, Klamath Falls. Uh, we're actually all over the state of Oregon. Oh, we, really? We're an Oregon Outfitter Guide Service as well. What does that mean? So State Marine Board um, has us registered as a, as a guide service. And so not only do we have licensed counselors, but the program itself is registered as a state marine board guide. Wow. And so what we have is we have uh, U.S. Forest Service and uh, BLM permits to operate in large areas of land. So where you might go to a camp and just stay somewhere in a cabin by the lake somewhere, we're actually in an expedition style mm. uh, recovery process. And so folks literally go on a 21 to up to a 60 day wilderness journey where they're actually backpacking, sometimes river rafting, uh, going on a journey from from a place to another, much like in their life, they would yeah, move I was from say, that's uh, a good analogy. their old life to a new yeah, life. from addiction to recovery. You bet. Nice. Jim Yaney joining us, TLC Wilderness Expeditions, uh, and the uh, the website is tlcwe.org. How do people get involved with this? And I know you're faith-based. What about uh, somebody who's not Christian? Yeah, well, I would tell you probably most of the people who come to us aren't. Really? And so uh, folks are, you know, they're, um, they, they're attracted to uh, being in an outdoor setting to be involved in their recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not, uh, they might feel more threatened by being inside someplace. Mm. So being able to be a part of creation, to be out in the outdoors, uh, just seems to attract some other Are folks there sobriety requirements? They have to be detox, and so they, we have a medical director and a social worker who's part of a multidisciplinary team that clears the person that's part of the application and assessment is mm -hmm. determining whether a person is going to have, uh, you know, physical capability of functioning out in the woods. So we're not a detox program. Right. And uh, so a person has to be able to be cleared to participate. Age range and boys and girls? Boys and girls done separately. Um, the, Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're uh, 13 and really above. Uh, we've taken whole families. I had a family, a husband and wife and their 16-year-old daughter and two younger brothers came out as a whole family last year from Idaho. Um, our folks have really come from all over the United States. We tend to work, our license allows us to work with up to 10 people at a time, but most of the time we've had clients where we're working with one one to three folks at a time. So you have a guide and up to ten people? Yeah. Well, we have uh, actually two guides. So you would have a counselor and a guide. Could have been two counselors, but basically two staff at a minimum. Talk about the educational component of this. Well, we're doing, uh, I've been involved in the field for, for uh, about 25 years now and in, uh, in my own personal recovery for almost 38. Ah, newcomer. And uh, yeah, I've been, been uh, <laughs> and you know, that's really the beauty of it. Just uh, in the last couple of days, uh, being reminded of some of the basic steps for myself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it's always a growing learning process. Education-wise, we're doing much the, you know, showing people the deterioration of life, the basically the ups and downs of uh, disease and restoration recovery. Uh, how do we uh, 
could get worse over time and how can we get better over time yeah uh, we're doing uh, you know motivational interviewing we do lots of uh, basic communication education uh, I'm a health educator by trade and so most of the the models that I've learned over the years in treatment services are uh, you know, some of the best basics of those are what we use out in the field. Did you go out on these uh, expeditions yourself? I do. Really? Yeah, I mostly have had a couple of folks uh, over the course of the years. We've done everything from 21-day snowshoe trips across the mountains to uh, desert trips. Uh, the last uh, trip that we did, we actually had four students. We rafted three different rivers in the state of Oregon, the McKenzie, the Rogue, and the Deschutes. Climbed some mountains. Uh, we work on uh, permits out of the, the Smith Rocks State Park in Oregon. And uh, have, uh, you know, we repel. Lots of our activities are mostly team-based or what you might operate in a family or community is that we need each other. It's a we process. Mm -hmm. So lots of people are pretty familiar with the 12-step model of that. It's a we program. And so just in families, the, the old adage of uh, that it takes a whole whole tribe to raise a, raise a child is, uh, you know, how do we all work together? Jimmy Andy joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. He is with TLC. It is the Tree of Life Christian Wilderness Expeditions. Uh, they're headquartered down in Klamath Falls, but they're throughout the state of Oregon. How do you decide whether it's a 21-day trip or whether it's a 60-day excursion or expedition? And what about your staff? How well-trained are your staff in terms of addiction? Our staff come to us with a lot of different skills, and basically what they have to do is show that they're either, uh, you know, have some counseling skills, that they... Uh, have some outdoor experience. Uh, they go through a, an Oregon background check uh, process uh, to be cleared to work with kids. We're a licensed program in the state of Oregon as what's called an OYP or outdoor youth program. Um, mostly what we're looking at is that if folks have not been challenged to take care of themselves at a lower level of care, we want to encourage and challenge that first of all. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in determining the time, what we've really found is that maybe somebody needs a higher level of care, that they've already maybe seen an outpatient counselor, maybe had some kind of challenge at trying to resolve issues at a lower level of care, and weren't successful with that. Mm. If they have been in maybe multiple um, short-term residential programs or something, and they are um, reluctant to recover very reluctant <laughs> unmotivated at all then we would probably determine that a longer program than yeah. ours would be recommended yeah. Yeah. so yeah. we might not even you know I've, I've talked to families where I'm saying you know what this is probably not the service that you need mm -hmm. so if they have uh, severe mental health problems where they're not going to be able to operate out in the woods uh, we're really in a kind of a program where if somebody wants to keep their, uh, be, continue in their school, continue to be involved in the family that they're involved in, and they're motivated to resolve issues at a, you know, in a short-term residential program, we're kind of a good service. Mm. If somebody really wants to not stay in the situation where they're at, 
and uh, and I mean that more in a person who's just totally saying I'm I'm not going to change. Right, right, right. right. Then uh, they probably you know would better be served by a longer term service that's going to help. I guess them. you could say treatment in the woods. You can. <laughs> yeah. It is the Tree of Life Christian Wilderness Expeditions TLC. They take people from all over the country. If you want to find out more about it, go to the website tlcwe.org you pretty much can d define an expedition based on your needs yes and sometimes even the wilderness isn't even always a true wilderness right. we've done conservation projects we've done uh, i've had folks uh, i've actually in the downtown tacoma worked with really? people and so uh you know, it's really the wilderness of the heart. It's uh, us going through changes. Love it. Um, we're, um, uh, we're also on Facebook, and so we invite people okay, to find great. us on Facebook, Tree of Life Christian Wilderness Expeditions, and uh, invite uh, folks who are maybe interested in maybe being involved in wilderness work. Uh, we and you don't have to be Christian. You don't have to be Christian. No. Good. All right, Jim Yaney joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Fascinating program. It's like taking treatment and putting it out in the uh, in the outback. Something to take a look at, tlcwe.org, and you can also uh, find him on Facebook as well. Jim, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. I'm Neil Scott. We are here at the NADAC Conference. It is the 40th annual NADAC Conference uh, just outside of Seattle, Washington. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more right after this. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? Well, you know, there is help and there is hope at Sundown M Ranch. They'll focus on you and your disease, and you'll discover the dependence on drugs and alcohol is not living at all. Sundown M Ranch is a nationally recognized alcohol and drug addiction treatment center outside of Yakima, Washington. They'll help you reclaim your life and transform your fears into hope. Take the first step right now. Go online at www.sundown.org. I promise to hug my husband. I promise to eat a vegetable as big as my head. What promises have you made today? I promise not to paint the living room. American Family Insurance knows promises are easy to make. Until my wife picks out a color she likes. But they're not always easy to keep. At American Family, the commitments we make are commitments we intend to keep. Because our promises are the foundation of relationships we've built with generations of policyholders. I promise to take my dog for a walk. We promise to treat your family like our family and give you honest, straightforward answers. We promise. I like taking my dog for a walk. Visit AmFam.com to find an American Family Agent near you. American Family Insurance. All your protection under one roof. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its subsidiaries. Home Office, Madison, Wisconsin. The Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies Distance Learning Training offers the required curriculum necessary to start working as a chemical dependency counselor. It's academically solid, provides learning experiences in various formats with an emphasis on treatment, prevention, counseling techniques, case management, and other related areas, offering basic knowledge and skills to be a successful chemical dependency counselor. Find out more about this NADAC-approved training. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. Hopefully, your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. 
So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for a Drug-Free Washington in America. Need professional-looking documents? Office Depot can help. From small jobs to bound presentations, bring in your document or submit it at officedepot.com. We'll ship virtually anywhere. Plus, our work is backed by the Office Depot Satisfaction Guarantee. Office Depot, taking care of business. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are at the 40th annual NADAC conference. Uh, NADAC, of course, being the Association for Addiction Professionals. Our program tonight being brought to you in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers. They are just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery. You can find them at addictiontreatmentrehab.com. One of the exciting things for me being here at NADAC this year was seeing an entire track on problem gambling. We have done some shows on problem gambling. We've been at some of the conferences, and Maureen Greeley is joining us tonight. She is the uh, executive director of the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling. Welcome back to the program. You first started in 2006. What's new? Oh, gosh. The field of problem gambling as a public health and addictions field has changed so much in the last decade. I think the biggest changes have come with a lot of the awareness on public health and Affordable Care Act, Medicaid changes. We live in a time when people are starting to recognize that holistic health is really important. Integrated health issues are important. You can't deal with one issue in a human being and not deal with many issues in a human being. That's been very valuable to us because problem gambling in the recovery field, in the addictions field, has always kind of been the the little ugly stepsister that's kind of tagged along. And oftentimes not even invited to the table. That's right. And still, we can get a seat at the table. But you know, the difficult part is I believe everyone really does want to see integrated health, but then you get to that ugly little point where they have to divide up the funding, and suddenly the turf wars begin again, and you're fighting for your place not only at the seat, it feels like the three legs have been cut off the chair, and you're suddenly on the floor at the table. But that's part of life in this day and age. Budget issues are are a crucial thing. I hope that with the Affordable Care Act and the changes that we're seeing from SAMHSA, from NIH, is that we'll start to see some federal recognition of this. We'll start to see insurance companies covering problem gambling as as an actual treatable issue. And that, to me, is a very exciting time for this field. Maureen Greeley joining us tonight uh, from the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling. A lot of people still ask the question, is it problem gambling or is it gambling addiction? You know, there's a lot of terms thrown out there. If you look at the official diagnostic statistical manual and you look at all of the scientific, it is a disorder. But so is alcohol addiction. So is other drug addictions. Um, To us... It's, we call it problem gambling because that's what real people feel, whether you're a psychologist, whether you're a counselor, whether you're a human being individual. When you feel pain around something, 
you notice a problem, you notice the hurt, and that's what we need to deal with. If we're talking to a general audience, I want them to know that there's help when they're hurting, that there's hope that you can get beyond this. I don't care what technical term we use in, at that point in time. Call it what you will, just get treatment. Absolutely. Let's talk about treatment. Um, the, the last time we talked, I think, with Dr. Maurer uh, and, and, and some of the people in the problem gambling community, there were only a few inpatient treatment centers. Has that changed? Across the country, there are more inpatient treatment centers, and we're seeing a lot of the alcohol and drug inpatient facilities mm. starting to add beds for gambling addiction. That's exciting. It is exciting. Some of them will run a separate track altogether. Some will combine them, and there are different models for different purposes. Here in the state of Washington, we still don't have any residential program. Mm. So when we send people, and we do, we pay for treatment. If you are referred by a certified problem gambling counselor in the state of Washington, the Evergreen Council will help fund residential treatment to go outside of the state to get that treatment. We need more, and we're hopeful that in the next year we'll see one or two opening up in our state, but there are some really good ones across the country. What about help for families? That is, for me, one of my main issues that I would like to see more done. We know that when an individual is hurting, other people around them are hurting, whether it's family, whether it's co-workers, whether it's friends, whether it's colleagues. Family components are crucial, both for the family themselves who need to have some assistance, some support, some hope, some help, also for the individual. If you take someone out of a dynamic and help them and then put them back in that same dynamic, we know how difficult that can be and how often relapse will occur if there isn't a change to the whole dynamic, yeah. not just the individual. And a lot of time family members are in a state of shock and stunned when the other shoe drops. Gambling addiction, problem gambling can be so well hidden that by the time it is discovered, the checking account is zero out, the house is just about gone, the job is gone, and, and suddenly a, a wife or a husband or a significant other is suddenly hit with the shock that, my God, I did not even know. I think you've hit on a number one issue for families and for people in general. No one can understand. Yeah. How could this have gone on so long and, and I didn't so know about it? Right. How could I? So yes. suddenly you start blaming yourself. Yes. And that's not where you need to go. Mm. You need to get help for yourself. You need to seek some financial counseling. Quickly. Need, yes, very quickly because you may be mm -hmm. at a point where you're about to lose something if you haven't already. You need to protect yourself. You need to get help for yourself well. It doesn't mean you love the person who's got the problem any less. You're going to have a lot of anger issues likely, um, maybe still some denial issues. but. First and foremost, you need to recognize that it is a real issue, it is a real problem, and it's not a moral issue. It is a true addiction, it is a problem that the person can't just get up and walk away. So once you recognize that, you can start healing. When you're, when you're faced with all of the anger and all of the denial and all of the sense that this is just a bad person who did a bad thing, you're never going to heal from that. Yeah, yeah. And the problem gambler himself or herself is oftentimes overcome with shame, humiliation, and I would imagine the suicide rate is fairly high. The suicide rate for problem gambling is second only 
to heavy cocaine abuse, even more than severe mental depression. That says a lot. When you talk about problem gamblers, you can talk to any recovering member, if you're lucky enough to, who said, I either attempted or I thought about suicide. Probably 25% of problem gamblers actually attempt suicide. That's a very high number. Maureen Greeley is joining us tonight for a few moments. She is the executive director of the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling. When we talk about problem gamblers, gambling addicts, unfortunately, many people think of men. Mm. There are many women who are problem gamblers. Address that if you will. There are. Early in this field, I think men were looked at more often. And at that time, there was a lot of talk about the different types of gamblers and that men were action gamblers. They wanted to be at the card tables. They wanted to be in competition. They wanted to be in action. And then people started looking at women and seeing that, yes, there are some action gamblers. There are a lot of women who are escape gamblers. There are a lot of elder women in Washington. That's our highest population of people seeking treatment as women between the ages of 45 and 65. They may be widowed. They may have health issues. They may be lonely. And they will seek something to fill that time and fill that space. Bus ride to the casino? Bus ride to the casino might be one. You know, we all have something we love to do that we sit down, I happen to weave, sit down at the loom, hours pass, and I thought I was only there for 20 minutes. It has been proven that you can escape into your addiction. You can stop feeling the pain. You can stop feeling the loneliness. They're great opportunities as long as you don't have a problem with it. And when you do, it can very quickly just cascade into a very major devastating issue for people. Talk about the good news of recovery. You've seen a lot of long-term recovery. Absolutely. So proud of that. You know, there's still a problem that a very small percentage of problem gamblers even seek treatment. We also know that a lot of people with other issues, whether they are drug, alcohol, pornography issues, any of the process addictions, any of the addictions, we know that if the counselors ask the right questions, they often find that about 20% of those people also have a gambling problem. We just need to get out there and ask the question. When we do, we know that treatment works, and that's the very, very exciting thing. Treatment works for the individual. Treatment works for the family. People become productive again. People have happy lives, healthy lives, and that's crucial. The cost, the societal costs of addiction are enormous when you think about the human value, but you also think about people who are not at their jobs, productivity levels. It really affects whole communities, not Mm. just individuals and families. What what about younger problem gamblers? Hmm. There's an issue that still has a lot of work to be done. There's a couple of different reasons why. We know that the prevalence rates for youth are higher than they are for adults in problem gambling. Then for some of them, fortunately, this funny little thing called maturity happens and they start to make healthier choices or they start to say, gosh, I'd really rather save that money to buy a car than just throw it away or feeling like they might be throwing it away. Um, But there are major, major issues that we still need to address. What's going to happen with internet gambling? What's going to happen as the lines blur between social gaming and gambling? This is a whole new generation that has grown Mm. up with smartphones and can do things without ever going to a casino or a card room or to buy a lottery ticket. 
and we've got a lot of work there. We still have a lot of work in urban areas. We still have a lot of work in rural areas. Um, just a whole different field with youth. I think our best bet there, to use a very bad term, is to look at prevention. How do we teach our youth to make healthy choices from the very beginning, and how do we model those healthy choices for them? I would venture to say that if you're thinking about problem gambling, if you're thinking about gambling addiction, you may be way off track. You need to rethink it because there's, there's a lot more than just the, the stereotypical gambler that perhaps we grew up with. It's uh, something that's very pervasive. That's the bad news. The good news is there's good treatment available and good resources. What is your website? I know you have a lot of resources we there. Do. You can reach us by, by our website, www.evergreencpg.org. We also have a 24-hour, seven-day helpline, 1-800-547-6133. It's there if you're seeking help. It's there if you're just seeking information, whether you're a high school student doing a paper on problem gambling or you're an individual who has someone you love or yourself seeking help. We will get you referred to treatment. We will give you information. We're there as a resource. Please use us. What about the 12-step community, Maureen? You know, we have a wonderful 12-step community in Washington. It could also be bigger. You know, everything I, I say about problem gambling, we could use more resources. GA, Celebrate Recovery, wonderful programs. Um, they are standalone programs. You can reach them via the website. You can get local um, area meetings where you are and if you don't contact them let them know if you're interested in getting one started they will help you one of the things that stood out for me as I came to the 40th NADAC uh, conference was seeing a complete day of focusing on problem gambling one step forward one giant step forward it is thank you and if you notice it I hope others will I hope it's just the beginning of a a trend that will bring us together with the alcohol and drug field with the mental health field we all have to work together you know, good to see you again thanks so much Maureen Greeley joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast she is the director of the Evergreen Council on problem gambling we are here at the 40th annual NADAC conference we're going to take a short time out back with more right after this these days we talk about everything I've been sober now one year three days and counting my sister was restructured at work after 10 years welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal new journeys cards from Hallmark my girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today I actually found a card that says sorry you lost your job journeys new cards with real words for real life only at today's Hallmark gold crown stores are you afraid afraid of life without drugs and alcohol well you know there is help and there is hope at Sundown M Ranch They'll focus on you and your disease, and you'll discover the dependence on drugs and alcohol is not living at all. Sundown M Ranch is a nationally recognized alcohol and drug addiction treatment center outside of Yakima, Washington. They'll help you reclaim your life and transform your fears into hope. Take the first step right now. Go online at www.sundown.org. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for she money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. 
They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Here is something to think about. Problem gambling is exactly that, a problem. Looking for a solution? Well, there is a way out. And there is help for you or someone you love who's caught in the web of problem gambling. Help is as close as your phone. Call the Washington State Problem Gambling Helpline, one 800 522 4700. For confidential help and free information, call a real winning number, 1-800-522-4700. They have the solution for problem gambling. Recovery Coast to Coast is a program feature of the nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. On the air, thanks to the generosity of our friends and listeners. Now, if you're enjoying Recovery Coast to Coast and would like to help us to continue to carry the message of hope and the promise of recovery, you can make a tax-deductible contribution to the Alliance for Recovery at P.O. Box 314. 451 Seattle, Washington 98103. Or you can donate through PayPal at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Thank you in advance for your support. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Uh, we are at the 40th annual NADAC conference. Uh, what a great organization. The Association for Addiction Professionals. They've been around for, well, 40 years, obviously. Founded by a, a very dear friend of mine, a guy that was actually one of my mentors and a friend for 30 years until he passed away, Mel Schulstadt. In fact, they give out the Mel Schulstadt Award every year here at NADAC. Our broadcast uh, is brought to you in this segment in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers. They are just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery, addictiontreatmentrehab.com. Joining us in this segment is George DeWars. Uh, George is uh, from Everett, Washington, just kind of up the street. He's been in this field for an awful long time. He's written a couple of books. 22 years ago, uh, he wrote a book that a lot of people still have on the bookshelves, White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking, Learning from the Moment of Relapse in Alcoholism and Other Addictions. And he's got a new workbook out called Getting It. We'd all like to get it, I guess. Building Motivation from Relapse. Let's find out what that's all about. Let's welcome in George DeWars, who also happens to be a friend of Larry. Lombards. Yeah, I right, saw George. Larry a couple months ago down in. Tell me, George. Tell me about the about the new book about motivation from relapse. What is that all about? Basically, it's about the thinking we have at the moment of picking up that first drink or drug. The AA Big Book calls the two kinds of thinking uh, the casual relapse, which is things like, "I'll just have one this time; will be different, and I can handle it now." I call it wishful thinking. Um, And then there's just one little paragraph in the chapter three about relapse that talks about the deliberate relapse, where we deliberately go out and get drunk, feeling justified by various kinds of stress. Um, I've had to clean up... Drinking at someone. That's one version. Yeah, 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 drinking at someone, drinking over someone, drinking, but drinking basically as a way to cope. Right, with intent. Um, Yeah, with with intent, and uh, with intent to get drunk and with intent to relieve distress. Right. So the workbook takes those two kinds of thinking, basically establishes with the people filling out the workbook that they've had that kind of thinking, and then takes them through four exercises about wishful thinking and four exercises about the other kind of thinking. I call it expletive or or just the cursing relapse. Um, Exercises to help them look at what's really going on there and to get what's really going on there. And if you really get what's going on when you make that decision, 
then you're going to get what you need to do. And you're going to find out very quickly that Alcoholics Anonymous understood that in 1938, mm-hmm. probably before that. But um, in the big book, all of all of the realizations, we have a technical word, motivational discrepancy, but it doesn't really, it's just about getting it. And, and I've been to enough open meetings that um, I can tell you that probably 75% of those meetings, somebody talks about getting it or not getting it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk in, in meetings about the struggle to get it. Is, is that a moment of clarity? One word for it, um, yes, a moment of realization, an aha mm-hmm. experience, uh, there, an, an insight, an epiphany. But I, I like the word realization because it's a moment when something becomes real to me that wasn't real before. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, exactly. Touche. And, and uh, let me give you one example because um, it's so well treated in, by, by 12-step recovery and, and by the big book in particular. What, we talk about relapse as a process, and it is. But what's it a process of? It's a process of something changing into something else. In the beginning, I look and see the handwriting on the wall. I'm an alcoholic. Don't drink. I'm an addict. Don't use. And I say, okay, I won't. And then I don't. And I don't. And I don't. And, you know, maybe I went to recovery. Maybe I went to treatment. Whatever. Then one day, my mind changes, and I say to myself, well, I wasn't that bad. Well, what Mm -hmm. bad? Mm -hmm. And when you look at that moment, what you'll find, and you can actually have patients measure this in their own experience, um, what you'll find is they've, they've forgotten. Yeah. They've yeah. forgotten their own suffering. And once you forget the suffering that comes with use, you've got no reason right. not to use. That's right. Wasn't and, that bad? And it was years ago, and yeah, I can have another yeah, drink. What yeah. the hell? And that's basically, there, that's just one example. There are seven others that mm-hmm. do the same process mm-hmm. of helping people look at what's really going on in that moment and how did you get there. And what do you got to do to stop or yeah. to prevent it, to protect yourself? Basically, once you get it, what's really going on, then you get interested in what do I got to do to protect myself from this happening again? And the answer is right there. Al- Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, just to get back to the memory problem, Alcoholics Anonymous is, among other things, a huge mnemonic device. You know, what, what we are doing in meetings is we are helping each other remember why we're in meetings and why we're not drinking. Right, okay. right. And there's a wonderful cliche, I'm sure you've heard it, people who don't keep coming back to meetings don't get to hear what happens to people who don't keep coming back to meetings. And it's, it's about memory. And people with 25 years sober will say, the reason I'm here is I have a built-in forgetter I don't want to forget. Yeah. I mean, this is not between the lines. It's right there in the literature. But in treatment, we have not been all that successful at helping people get it enough that when they leave treatment, they continue. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go to a 28-day program, they leave, they think they're cured, they don't go to meetings, and they drop like flies. Yep. You know? Yep. And, and, and you ask what happened with the relapse, and the first thing is stop going to meetings. Yeah. If they ever started. Yeah, if they ever started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. some of this thinking you're, you're talking about, it, it goes back into something you hear in the rooms, yeah. stinking thinking. Oh, t- totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. But but if, if you can understand the, the stinking thinking and that part of how it works, and I, I think craving does this. I think craving is an insidious force that, that gets rid of everything that gets in its way. And the biggest thing that gets in its way is us remembering <laughs> the suffering. And I think craving gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. I, there are other factors. I think shame is a big one. Yeah. But, um, you know, if if we know that the memory is one of our challenges – then we're a lot more willing to let other people help us and to, and to help other people not forget. We, we, we talk about in terms of preventing relapse. I, I don't even like to use that term, Me George. neither. Good. <laughs> I like to use the term recovery enhancement. 
um, doing something each day to to keep in touch with your recovery and yeah. honor your recovery, be yeah. grateful for your recovery, yeah. not not to forget about the drinking. Don't get stuck in yesterday. You know, don't get stuck there, but move forward and, and enhance your recovery and go to meetings and, and you know, stick close to people who are winners, uh, right. the recovery community. Obviously, when a person gets sober, the only thing they have to change is everything. You know? It's obvious to you because you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them don't, don't get it. Get, you don't. Know, something as simple. So, this is just another example. Something as simple. I've got an exercise. It's called Blinding Flash of the Obvious. And <laughs> all it's designed to do is help people get the fact that when we tell ourselves, I'm yeah, just going to yeah. have one, whether it's pot or coke or booze or whatever, or a bet or a porn site, when, you know, when, when, we, when our stinking thinking says that I'm only going to have one, there is not yet any drugs or alcohol in our brain. This is my sober self doing mm -hmm. this. The stinking thinking occurs in my sober, or at least my drug and alcohol free brain. Right, right. And you would be amazed how many people continue to relapse because they leave treatment and they've never gotten it that the problem is not the drunk. The drunk is just a symptom. My Mr. Hyde is not the problem. And even if he was, he can't do anything about it. Dr. Jekyll takes the first drink. Dr. Jekyll takes the first drug. And owning that is so crucial. And the difference between somebody who doesn't get that and somebody who does is night and day. George DeWar is joining yeah. us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, he's got a new book out called Getting It, Building Motivation from Relapse. Is, is the book for people new in recovery or people in long-term recovery or both? Primarily people that are new, primarily okay. people in early recovery and probably in treatment. Um, I think it is written in such a way a sponsor could use it with a sponsee, yeah. but yeah. Um, it's, it's really meant for people that are coming back from relapse. I mean, there are very few true newcomers right, in treatment right. or, or meetings, but um, people that are coming back and people that are maybe just a little more open than they were last time and maybe they'd like to get some things the easy way instead of the hard way. Um, it's really for them. I think somebody with long-term recovery might go through it and just see whether they've had a little slippage or not. Because, mm. you know, you may get it in year one and two, and you're doing all the work, and then, but, you know, year five, year ten, you may get a little complacent. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you you may not really believe you're in danger when, in fact, you still are. And, and right. you know, just as a refresher, it would be more of a refresher. Um, farther uh, away from your last drink, closer to your next one? That's the one. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's and, and especially if you've kind of, you know, lost track right, of right. some of these basic realities that you had in your first year or your yeah. second year. Throw yeah. in some, some triggers, some stress, and, and off to yeah. the races. I, I'm working with a guy right now that relapsed after 23 years. 23 years. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I had a guy on the on the radio show about a year ago, and he just come from a meeting, and he was all excited. He said, "I came from a great meeting." Uh, a guy came in, and he'd been he had been in recovery for 25 years, and went out and had a relapse, and just came back. Wow. And I was just totally psyched. And I thought, "You sick sob? What are you talking about?" <laughs> he said, "I needed to hear that." Yeah. Yeah. I needed to know that that guy with 25 years who I respected yeah. Yeah. and suddenly stopped going to meetings. He'd come every once in a while, and yeah. suddenly he's back starting with day one. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, it's insidious. Yeah. 
it it's really serious, is. It's it's what it's like. The memory problem in particular is it's like the the metaphor we use about the frog in the boiling water. Mm -hmm. Only it's the opposite. It's like the in the beginning when we come into treatment, we're in the boiling water, and then the more we work the program, the more comfortable we get. Yep. yep. The more the temperature goes <laughs> down right, and right. down and down, and so we start thinking we don't really yeah. need to do anything to yeah, protect yeah. ourselves. And yeah. I, I I tell people jokingly, I have a good memory, but it's short. Uh, and and in reality, yeah. that's what we're talking about—a yeah. short memory, and yeah. and yeah. and we forget the pain and yeah. the suffering, and yeah. the sick I, and the suffering. I'm I'm I, one of the Terry Gorsky quotes I really like is the one about you know all you really have to do to relapse is one thing, nothing. Well said. Yeah. George DeWars joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, we were at the uh, the big NADAC conference, 40th annual conference. Great to have you with us. Uh, if you get a chance, pick up uh, a copy of George's book. You can probably find it on Amazon, uh, I hope. Getting yeah. It, yeah. Building Motivation from Relapse. George, thanks for oh, stopping welcome. by. Yeah. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. We are at the 40th Annual NADAC Conference, and uh, this segment brought to you in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers, just outside of Boise, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery. AddictionTreatmentRehab.com, that's their website. The program continues till midnight tonight. Uh, we will be back with more from the NADAC Conference right after this. You have been listening to part one of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for part two of Recovery Coast to Coast. In our next hour, we will feature an individual in recovery, sharing experience, strength, and hope about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. 
Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are having a great time. We're at the 40th Annual NADAC Conference. NADAC, in case you don't know, the Association for Addiction Professionals, they have made such a huge impact in this field. Our broadcast tonight is brought to you in part by Eve Ruff, CEO of Residence 12 for Women. It's in Kirkland, Washington, where recovery is reality, Residence12.com. We're joined by one of the leaders and legends in this field, uh, C.C. Knuckles, who's, uh, gosh, he's got probably 40, 50 books out. He's got a bunch of videos. If you've been around this field at all, you know C.C. Knuckles. He's one of the premier speakers here at the conference. C.C., welcome. I appreciate your time here. Uh, you've got a new book coming out, which I find the title fascinating, Finding Freedom Through Illumination, Realizing Christ Consciousness. Do tell. Oh, yeah, I, I will certainly try to. Uh, I, uh, you know, the last 20 years, I'm a scientist, and yeah, uh, yeah. the last 20 years, I've been more on a spiritual path, and my last two books have been spiritual books. And, and it, it, uh, it, you know, what I've, uh, I've grown to understand is that personal and spiritual growth are one and the same thing, you know. And, uh, right. And as we grow, we're capable of being uh, more of service to others. And so the books that I write are more about uh, the experiences that uh, that I've been graced with and understandings that I've been graced with. I don't do anything. I don't know nothing. But uh, God's blessed me. And, uh, you know, I'm just fortunate to be able to uh, uh, be of service to others. And uh, it uh, has made my life rich. What's the primary message of the new book, Cece? Well, you know, a lot of it is talking about the way we see the world, our own personal worldview. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the movement of recovery is like the movement in life in so many ways. Uh, you know, we can be egotistical and grandiose, and if we see the world in that way, we're, we're going to be miserable. Um, you know, through our own spiritual journey, whatever journey that might be for a person, uh, uh, as we go through surrender and acceptance and ultimately uh, reach a point where we become we, we become full of gratitude, uh, we can start to see the love and beauty inside of others, even when they can't see it inside of themselves. It's uh, It really speaks of that journey. Uh, a different way of seeing things, seeing the perfection in the world, and uh, uh, trying to be of service. How important is spirituality in recovery? Well, I think that uh, that you know, in my mind, uh, there's really no substitute for it. Uh, it it's where healing is. Uh, you know, today I'll get to talk about that. That in essence, it's that relationship uh, between people uh, working towards recovery, working towards something together, uh, and that to me is very spiritual. I mean, we have our own spiritual journeys, but it's it's always, you know, it, it can be personal, but it's but it's always community, the way it manifests itself. And, uh, you know, you can you can go through all sorts of crises in recovery. And if you don't have a spiritual program, the first big one that nails you is probably going to do you in, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you have that spiritual sense and that connectedness to a spiritual community, you got a good chance of getting through that and growing through it. So I see it as just imperative. C.C. Knuckles joining us, uh, one of the leaders and legends in this field. He's been in the field, what, 35, 40 years? Mm, pushing 40 years now. Oh, yeah. so you've yeah. seen a lot in this field. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest challenge today? Well, you know, uh, 
a lot of people disagree with me when I speak about that. I, I, I think that we, we, have to, we have to understand that science is a, is a good thing, but we have to temper it a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. What heals people is the relationship, and, and we've gotten away from that so much. If it's not science-based, it's not effective. Uh, uh, and the relationship is a spiritual relationship yeah. and and that's what heals and I think that to me uh, understanding that we have within us that capacity that can be nurtured that can be the most helpful aspect of what we do as people whether we're clinicians or doctors psychiatrists or whatever that to me is is something that uh, that I like to talk about how do people get to that point I mean it's like Sometimes it's analogous to recovery. People want the easier, softer way. Mm -hmm. you, you can't say, okay, I'm going to be spiritual right now. It's, mm -hmm. it's a process. Well, it, it's like anything that's important to you. If it's important to you, you'll put in the time, you'll put in the energy, but it's all by the grace of God, but you got to show up. you know? <laughs> you, you, you got to be there. It's a, and it's sort of like the steps in AA. You, you can work those horizontally, and that's wonderful, but it's, when you start to work them vertically, you see, that's where the spiritual aspect are. My, my grandmother used to used to say when I was a kid, she said, we read the Bible day and night, and you, you read black and I read white. And I didn't know what the heck she was talking about <laughs> oh, that's great. until about 20 years after she died. And she said, you can read the words, but, but it's what's in between. It's that, that, you know, the deeper meaning that is so important. And, and that takes, that takes dedication. It, it, you know, you, you have to, you have to be disciplined. You have to be dedicated. It's like being good at anything else. You, you have to put the time in. And day by day, one, one, day, at a, oh, one yeah. day at a time. Yeah. A, ab absolutely. What is your topic today here at the 40th NADAC well, conference? I, I just did a, a piece on designer drugs. Uh, and then uh, this afternoon, I have the closing plenary. Mm -hmm. And that's really on relationships. It's on the art and science of healing, which to me is a, 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 a way of talking about the importance of that relationship. Uh, you see, research says it doesn't make any difference what type of therapy you use are mm -hmm. all equivocally about the same yeah you know what determines the outcome is more the relationship that we have mm -hmm. you know with another human being and what they can they can gain from that relationship we actually know scientifically that that when I'm in your presence I, and you have a higher energy than I do I can move into your energy and I can use it it's like AA you got to yeah. keep coming back to you that got, energy though, absolutely you know? yeah. this morning you talked about designer drugs what mm -hmm. is the latest in designer drugs oh you know it's hard to keep up with them it really is it know? changes all the time yeah it does but uh, you know there's certain you know the 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 marijuana Water related, they got the cannabinoids, and then mm -hmm. there's bath spice. Um, these are the ones that still are the most prevalent. Uh, uh, what they do is they just keep uh, changing the molecular configuration to try to escape the law, and uh, uh, they keep putting out new ones, and uh, they all have pretty much the same effect. Some of them are a little stronger, some of them last a little longer, some of them may have uh, some differing effects, but you know, we, I guess they probably just the cannabinoids and the bath salts. The bath salts are sort of like cocaine and methamphetamine, yeah. they're stimulant type drugs. Yeah. 
drugs. Yeah. And so I, those are still the big ones. Uh, there's a couple of new things out there. One is a, sort of a Russian import called crocodile. It's a, what is it called? Called crocodile. A crocodile. It, it because uh, when people inject it, it tends to cause the skin to look very much like crocodile hide. It's a it's a it's a codeine is illegal over the counter. So you can buy codeine in Russia, and they in the kitchen they'll uh, they'll work it up with a little hydrochloric acid, some red phosphorus, some gasoline, and a few other products, and they, they create a morphine product out of it. That uh, that when you inject it, it it's uh, just like heroin, except it only lasts about an hour or two, so you have to keep shooting mm. up. Mm. But it's so necrotic, it's so toxic to the skin that we're starting to see people develop gangrene and have to have you know arms and legs amputated the the life expectancy for a crocodile addicts three to four years wow yeah it's nasty cc knuckles joining us on recovery coast to coast at the 40th annual nadac conference in talking about recovery the movement it's undergone a lot of changes and there's a lot of people now standing up and speaking out and, and showing the elements of, of gratitude in recovery. Talk a little bit about the importance of gratitude and the importance of people in recovery sharing that. Well, you know, uh, it, uh, it there's been the new push with the anonymous people, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, I think, been uh, uh, something that that, uh, that I think is important. Uh, I know that uh, it's okay to maintain your anonymity and you mm -hmm. can choose when and where to do that. But, but I would suspect that if all of us who are involved in alcohol and drugs have been affected by it, actually stepped out right. and raised our voice, we'd have the most powerful lobby in the country <laughs> by no far. Kidding, no kidding. And uh, I think we could probably get a lot more done. But uh, gratitude uh, to me is a way of seeing things. You yeah. know, uh, when I when I look out in the world and and uh, I I don't I don't have that ego anymore that says I got to be better than you I got to have more than you, that's just grateful for every moment that can exist in the moment that can experience the joy and beauty of the moment and that way of seeing the world that that's where happiness is that's where joy is and when you're there you you're not envious or, or jealous or greedy or you have the character defects go away mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, I think it really does allow you to see the love and beauty inside of others when they can't see it inside of themselves. And that's healing in and of itself. C.C. Knuckles, kind enough to stop by the broadcast location and, and spend a few moments with us at the 40th Annual NADAC Conference. Our program is being brought to you in part tonight by Eve Ruff, CEO of Residence 12 for Women in Kirkland, where recovery is reality. Thank you so much for hey, stopping by. My pleasure by. always. It's always great to see you. Great Thank you so you much too. for what you do for Absolutely. the field and what you do for recovery. It's just a pleasure. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We'll be right back. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? Well, you know, there is help and there is hope at Sundown M Ranch. They'll focus on you and your disease, and you'll discover the dependence on drugs and alcohol is not living at all. Sundown M Ranch is a nationally recognized alcohol and drug addiction treatment center outside of Yakima, Washington. They'll help you reclaim your life and transform your fears into hope. 
Take the first step right now. Go online at www.sundown.org. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Welcome back, everyone, to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. On the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Uh, We are delighted to be at the 40th annual, that's right, 40th annual NADAC conference. NADAC is the Association for Addiction Professionals. They meet all over the country. This year, they happen to be just outside of Seattle, right down by the airport. Our broadcast in this particular segment is being brought to you by Eve Ruff, CEO of Residence 12 for Women in Kirkland, Washington, where recovery is reality, residence12.com. They also have a bookstore here at the conference. Um, My friend Carolyn runs the bookstore, and I was just down chatting with her, and she said, there's a woman that you really need to get on the show. And she showed me a book called Sexuality and Addiction, Making Connections, Enhancing Recovery. Raven James is the author of that book. And I tracked her down, sent her a text, and by golly, here she is. Uh, Raven is a sexologist, researcher, consultant, and assistant professor in addiction studies at Governor State University in Illinois, a great, great state of Illinois. She has worked in the substance abuse field since back in 1994. She's a trainer. She's uh, she's done case management, and her published works include several peer-reviewed articles on her sexuality research and contributions to Prager's multi-volume series, Sexual Health. And you're you're involved with a couple of organizations you were telling me about. Yeah. Welcome to the program. Thank Tell you. us about those organizations. Oh, sure. I'm the board member for NOWGAP, which is the National Association of uh, LGBT Addictions Professionals and Their Allies. NOWGAP. NOWGAP. We have so many alphabet soup. I know, I can't keep track of my my acronyms. Acronyms anonymous or something. (laughs) We like to make up a few of our own as well. That's right. I belong to a 12-step program for talk show hosts called On and On and On and On and On. Oh, boy. But I digress. (laughs) And and another organization you're involved with is? Is INCASE. I'm also on the board of INCASE. INCASE stands for the International Coalition of Addiction Studies Education. That is a mouthful, Raven. Raven James joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast here at the the NADAC conference. Sexual Sexuality and addiction, making connections, enhancing recovery. I like the term enhancing recovery. Uh, I, I don't even like to use relapse prevention. I like to use recovery enhancement. We should be getting better. We should be doing more things to make recovery even greater. Talk about the premise of the book and how it came to be. Well, when I worked in the field, I worked at, first worked in the substance abuse field in the 1990s. I graduated from Binghamton University with a, a bachelor's in applied social sciences, which is a pretty liberal degree. I went to work for an AIDS organization, and at the AIDS organization, I was an HIV coordinator. And I worked for OASIS, which is the office, another acronym, the Office of Alcohol and Substance Abuse Services. Oh, yeah. So what I did for OASIS was I went to, I provided client education, HIV education, to people in treatment centers, and we had a 
a county catchment area that we worked in in upstate New York with 28 OASIS licensed agencies. I also provided education to counselors in the agencies around uh, HIV confidentiality law. I was a master trainer for OASIS as well, doing two-day trainings on HIV and STI counseling issues, dying and death, and working with lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender clients. One of the things that I noticed when I worked in the field as a case manager and an educator was that in the programs, sexuality was only addressed in terms of HIV prevention. And there are a lot of other links that I saw from some of my own personal experiences and then with the people that I was working with in the treatment realm that were linked to their sexuality that weren't being discussed in treatment. So we developed a four-week sexual health group that we provided for women in a halfway house. And they were just so mm. relieved wow. that we were there. They said, nobody talks to us about this. Yeah. And they told us about some of the links to their, to their use around, because it's a holistic approach to recovery, so it's a sexual health approach and looking at issues of body image, uh, sensuality, how our bodies respond, uh, sexual abuse, incest, rape issues, sexual identity, attitudes towards sexuality, intimacy issues. So there's a whole host of links to why people use and why they relapse that are connected. So that sort of drove my impetus uh, with developing this program and then I went to sex camp. You went to sex I camp. I went to sex camp. Uh, sex I, I, camp. I, 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 there, there are so many, so many places I could go with that, but I, I'm I'm not in the interest of good taste. We won't go there right yes, now. Yes. We're going to go there, but in a different is way. Is there really? Is there really a sex camp? Well, we fondly dubbed it sex ah. camp. It's actually a SAR, S A R, another acronym. There you go again. There and you go again, Raven. The SAR stands for Sexuality Attitude Reassessment. And what it is is a, the one that I went to is a week-long training, seven days of training. We're, we're sexual beings from birth to death. You've noted that babies have erections in utero and vaginas lubricate, and we don't talk about childhood sexuality or give the proper names for parts, you know, when we're teaching kids and they're, they don't have the terminology yeah. for basic anatomy. And so we learned about all these things from birth to death in a uh, large group setting, small group setting, a lot of film. So it's a lot of experiential learning where mm -hmm. you, we were examining how we felt about what the things we were learning about. And so we learned everything you wanted to know about sex and probably things you might not want to know about sex. But what it did for me was, A, it helped me to realize where some of the areas were that, for me as a counselor and a clinician working with my clients, and also how to help them, but also what I needed to work on. So I had unresolved issues around sexuality. I couldn't help my clients unless I had already done some work there myself. And recovery is a process. So when we first get sober, we first stop using, different things come up for us. And over time, over months and over years, some of these other issues that might be linked to why we used can creep up. And for some of the women that in the research that I've conducted who reported that they never had sex sober. And so if, if I'm one of those women who go to treatment, I've never had sober sex, but my counselor never asks me about my sexual behaviors and how they're linked to why I used or why I relapsed, getting into a relationship is going to be different for me and it's going to be a big relapse trigger unless I have a way to deal with that, to realize it's like, okay, well, how do I deal with relationships? Do I have the language and the skills to negotiate how to take care of myself around that? And so I also met 
the man who ran the human sexuality program at Widener University. And I commuted 200 miles one way to get a master's and a PhD in sexuality. Holy smokes. And with that, I've kind of moved to the point of conducting research. The book is called Sexuality and Addiction, Making Connections, Enhancing Recovery. Raven James is the author. She's joining us for a few moments tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Is this book just for women? No. Oh, actually, no. This book is for everybody. I wrote this book for a number of different reasons. First, obviously, and foremost, for clients, for people who don't know, people who are affected by addiction, which can be clients, can be the counselors, because we have many counselors that are in recovery themselves. And it's for anybody who has been harmed by sexuality over the course of their lifespan. And we are a society that's sexually ignorant, it's sexually secretive, and we're sexually traumatized. And we are not socialized or culturalized to talk about it. And so that does us a lot of harm. And whether we're addicted to substances or not, we have harm that can be done to us based on some of the experiences that we've gone through. Um, If I'm a female who has had multiple partners, there's a lot of slut-shaming that happens uh, in the culture Mm -hmm. uh, today where there's kind of that sexual double standard. And so what it it starts to do is some of the links to substance abuse with sexuality there's a salient factor of shame, this internalized feeling of being defective because of your sexuality, because of some of your experiences, and how people around you reacted. So whether it was messages that you received growing up from your family, um, if I'm gay or lesbian or bisexual or even transgender, uh, you know, getting messages from the church or from uh, family members about that I'm defective as a human being because of that and being uh, psychopathologized through the American Psychological Association until it was removed from the DSM in 1973. For you know, It's like one day I'm told that uh, I'm sick, and the next day it's removed from the DSM, and all of a sudden I'm not sick anymore. I still have to do work around how do I heal from that. There's a lot of sexual shame involved with it. So that's been a salient factor with... Um, being able to kind of turn that around. Yeah. The book is called Sexuality and Addiction, Making Connection, uh, Connections, Enhancing Recovery. Uh, I, I noticed uh, chapter 11 is, oh, God, and I'm wondering whether that's oh an orgasmic, God. oh, God, yes. or whether that's a spiritual Oh, or yes. Or, or it's not about Oprah. It's the O. <laughs> the big O. <laughs> that's what I figured. The interesting thing was when I met uh, Dr. Bill Staten, who was the uh-huh. director of the Human Sexuality Program, he was a Baptist uh, minister. He's a Baptist. He had a Ph.D., a theology, so his doctor mm. was in theology. And talk about um, a, an area that you think, well, you, this isn't a, isn't a match. I think that would be congruent. You know, here's mm-hmm. a Baptist minister who we have stereotypical ideas about who embraces his sexuality and is open about his sexuality and embraces that spiritual component. Because I think when we're harmed and we're harmed by sexual messages and we're shamed by sexual messages, it kills us inside. It kills off that spirit part of ourselves that we might have lost touch with through our numbing, through Mm. substance use, to not have to feel that way anymore. And so being able to reconnect to that center of ourselves there's a sexual health model that I work off of, and it was adapted from uh, one that uh, can be found on advocatesforyouth.org's website. But I added, I adapted the model and included a center circle, because all the circles in that um, sexual health model are connected. But the, for me, one of the pieces that was missing from that model was the spiritual piece. You know, How do we reconcile from the harm that's been done to us to be able to recover? 
and be able to heal and get reconnected with our spirituality in a way that makes sense for ourselves. Mm. Uh, Raven James joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast, making connections, enhancing recovery, sexuality, and addiction. When people sober up, especially if they are single and they have to go out in the world, sexuality is a big thing, and, and, and doing it sober maybe for the first time yeah and there's so much more risk today well it seems like there's so much more risk today with some Everything. of the there's a lot of viral infections yeah, yeah. that weren't around back in the 60s yeah. and 70s and you know when some of us grew up what about safer sex safer sex is really important and thinking about HIV and talking to be able to be comfortable talking with our partners but as a counselor being able to talk to our clients about what types of behaviors that they're engaging in so if I'm talking to clients about having vaginal or oral or anal sex and being familiar with different types of behaviors that different people engage in I have to have that comfort to be able to yeah. provide them ways to be safe that are meaningful to them rather than making an assumption that oh well I have this female client and she's married to a man that doesn't mean that she's heterosexual they could be in a polyamorous relationship or an open marriage uh, she could be bisexual. There's a lot of variables that when we make assumptions about people when we meet them, and rather than asking the questions and having them be able to be open to tell us who they are, then I can provide more appropriate interventions for you based on the types of behaviors that you might be engaging in. Talk about healthy sexuality. It's different for everybody, right? Yes, it is. And I think the healthy sexuality piece has to do with what's congruent for you. Mm -hmm. So. How does it make sense for you in your world? And what are the pieces that have been harmful for you? I have to have that conversation. I have to have a way to be able to assess that when you come into treatment and listen to your story, honor your story, and then be comfortable to find ways in which you can kind of reconnect with yourself. Is it difficult for, for, for patients to even talk about it? I mean, there's so much repression yes. for, for so many years. You, you can't just sit down and start talking about it. It, it, no. it, takes, it takes a lot of time, I would think. It can take a lot of time, but one of the things that I found over the years of working with folks is that oftentimes there's a reluctance on the part of changing policy within an organization or uh, including it as a standard part of treatment. One of my colleagues who wrote the foreword for my book uh, pilot tested a sexual health intervention at a substance abuse agency in San Diego in California, Stepping Stones. His name is Douglas Brown Harvey. And they, this is turning into evidence-based practice where they, all the clients who came in, they were assessed. So if there were linkages between sexuality and why they used or why they relapsed, they were they were able to go through a sexual health group. Mm. Well, they increased their client retention by over 50%, and clients, they stayed in treatment longer, and uh, they reduced the levels of sexual shame to uh, levels of clients that didn't have sexuality and linked issues. So if we don't assess for it, we don't know that it's an issue. If, it's, if there's no issue, we don't have to worry about that as a relapse trigger yeah, or a treatment I, I issue. Think, yeah, it, yeah, it could be a slippery place for people. Yep. But if it's a standard part of assessment when people come in and we say, well, this is it for for the client and oftentimes for the counselor, it's a way to normalize because human sexual behavior is normal. One That's of the things why I'm, we're all here, right? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> had to have sex. Absolutely. Well, Somebody let's had not to go talk to that sex it. camp. I'm telling you what. Yeah, they just they uh, had I, I it somewhere. In the book is you have a sexual history intake question uh, questionnaire. Yes. Which people can take. If they take the questionnaire and they come up with some results, what's the next step? Well, the next step, and in terms of the questionnaire in this book, is more for counselors to look at mm -hmm. what else do they need to know about and where are the areas that they're uncomfortable with. Because we're not saying 
that um, a counselor would be able to necessarily work on every single issue with a client that they came in with, but at least they would have an awareness of what their boundaries were. And that maybe I'm okay to work with people who were victims of sexual abuse, but I haven't done my own personal work, so I don't want to work with perpetrators. Uh, so it helps a, a counselor be able to kind of look at their own knowledge base and their attitudes and what they what internal work they might need to do for themselves and to be able to work with another counselor, get supervision around that, get therapy around that themselves, because it's about knowing thyself. And so I can't help you heal if I'm still kind of harmed inside mm -hmm. for the same issue. What's the role of families in all of this? The role of family, again, we, addiction harms us in many ways, and I think it estranges us from our families, or it can estrange ourselves from our families. I work with clients who relapsed, and they were so, like this one client I had, uh, I had to notify his family. They were in another state, and he, he died on a relapse, and he wasn't connected with anybody. And he had people in recovery that, who were his new family, but, you know, reaching, kind of bridging some of those gaps, I think that takes time. And it might not necessarily take place in treatment, but one of the big, biggest pieces that's important is figuring out, having that awareness, kind of that here's the holistic picture, here's all the things that can be linked, and here's some things we're going to maybe include in your treatment plan or your relapse prevention plan. And you might not deal with them now in treatment, but you might, again, like ongoing recovery, recovery support, recovery coaching that some of these are going to come up for you later and that I'm able to provide you resources with where to kind of get assistance from somebody who's gone through the same thing or can also now you're maybe you're ready to hear it now because I have to do my own self-healing before I'm able to go to a family member and maybe make amends or uh, kind of try to resolve some issues that we might have had if I was harmed by my family around say sexual identity because I grew up lesbian or gay um, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to really depend on if that family is open to embrace me back into their life. We are here at the 40th annual NADAC conference. Is it usual or unusual for treatment centers to deal with sexuality? From my experience, the norm not to deal yeah. with sexuality, yeah. you know, push is it that, under the rug. Is that a good thing? I mean, in, it's in not a good thing. It's not a good thing, even in early recovery? No. No, because we have to be able to, when we, when, when clients are having multiple relapses and we don't assess for sexuality related issues and this is the reason that they're relapsing, we're essentially contributing to ineffective treatment outcomes. And so just to be able to bring it up as a, this is matter of fact, these are the questions that we ask everybody and then have a venue within the treatment program when the client's ready, we're recommending around you know 30 days of recovery to start a sexual health group, that it could be a really good adjunct yeah. you know, once they kind of get stabilized and have it, you know, as an awareness piece of uh, on their psyche. Spot on. The book is Sexuality and Addiction, Making Connections, Enhancing Recovery. Raven James is the author. You can find it at Amazon.com. It's really a good read, and I encourage you to check it out. I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, we are delighted to be at the 40th Annual NADAC Conference, the Association for Addiction Professionals. We'll be back with more right after this. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay, pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does.
For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Nothing destroys young lives and tears families apart like chemical dependency. But you have the power to put the pieces back together again with one call to Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized program and professionally certified staff treat each individual teen with care and compassion. Safe, gender-separate, successful treatment. Sundown M Ranch helps put families back together. 1-800-326-7444. 1-800-326-7444. Call today. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our broadcast is from the 40th Annual NADAC Conference. Boy, what a great conference it has been. Our program being brought to you in part by Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers. They are just outside of Boise, Idaho, helping patients on the path to addiction recovery addictiontreatmentrehab.com NADAC is the Association for Addiction Professionals there are professionals here from all over the country, all over the world as a matter of fact and not just alcohol and drugs, there's a lot of process addictions and one of the people that I've been anxious to talk to is Mary Schatz she is dealing with internet addiction, well I thought it was addiction I looked at the poster section I saw something I hadn't seen before called CIU, mm-hmm. Compulsive internet use. We're going to discuss that. We're going to find out what it is and find out a lot more as well, maybe some resources. First of all, Mary, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you. And it's it's great that this is being highlighted here at the NADAC conference. Right. We're getting more and more calls about internet addiction, internet compulsivity, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we've decided on a name for you. Have we? I'm, That's you one see, of the problems. CIU is no the first time name. I've seen that. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. It, there's, it goes by a number of different names, yeah. but it means the same thing, that it's just using the internet compulsively. And it's not just kids doing it, right. it's adults, it's, uh, uh, and it's not just pornography, it's right. it's all sorts of right. time users, right. people, you know, addicted to these uh, smartphones. Right. You walk down the street and it looks like bobbleheads. You yes. see people going up and down, up yeah. and down. We seem to be so addicted to technology in this country mm-hmm. that it's pretty frightening. I, I know a number of friends who have taken a two-week leave of absence mm-hmm. from technology right, and just right. shut it all down. Right. And it's harder to do than you would think. It, it is. Tell me about the prevalence. Well, it's uh, currently it, it's uh, similar to what we see with other addictions. It's running between uh, three to six percent in adults, mm-hmm. and it's more uh, in adolescents, which is you know characteristic of all addictions that it's more prevalent in the adolescent age. Uh, or prevalency is higher in the adolescent's age. And in this particular problem, it's, you know, makes sense because, you know, they're the ones that are tech savvy. We call them, uh, you know, they've never known life without technology, whereas some of us are, uh, those young people are called digital native, or we're digital natives and we're considered, you know, di- digital immigrants because we, you know, <laughs> didn't uh, uh, use technology from until, yeah, yeah. you know, 2000 or whenever. I can remember having to get up off the couch to change the station. Right, right, (laughs) right. And so, you know, that population is very, uh, uh, you know, used to technology. And so their uh, prevalence rate goes up to 10% in some 
instances, but nationally that's where it's 8 to 10% for adolescents. You have been studying this for a long time. You have, uh, I counted them, 18 letters after your name. Holy oh, mackerel, wow. you must have a big business card. Actually, you have a business brain When I, now that I think of it here. Uh, she has a business card that's on the back of a pink brain, but I digress. Uh, when did you start getting interested in this and why? Okay, well, that's a good question. Um, if you saw my poster that I'm presenting mm -hmm. here, there's a young man on it that uh, is in a picture, and that is my son. And he actually was six years old in that picture. Um, and I'm the one that gave him that computer. And if you saw the picture, it would be of a young a person who is just uh, in love with this technology that's in front of him. You can just see it in his face uh, In the, that's depicted in the picture. And I had no idea that I was handing him uh, equivalent to heroin, you know, because he was growing up and on technology and I really wasn't, I, in fact, I was encouraging it, you know, because we want our kids sure. to be, you know, technologically advanced. And so about two years ago, uh, he, um, we moved from North Carolina back to Washington State, and he had a hard time adjusting to the change. And one of the things that I noticed was that he got more and more involved in his computer usage. And it was going from, you know, a couple hours a day to he'd come home from school and he'd be on it until he went to bed. And I had no idea, you know, that it was uh, similar to what, you know, in my case, I used marijuana at his age, you know, so it was, um, you know, a very similar pattern occurring. And so that's what initially got me started was watching what happened to him. Um, and currently he's 17 and, uh, you know, we've had to learn by learning about what this is, this, uh, you know, compulsive use of this particular uh, uh, application in his case was uh, video gaming. Uh, we've learned that I, you know, as a parent, that I need to do some things to change that, and that's what led to my dissertation topic, um, coming up with ways to teach parents how to mediate their children's use of technology. Give us some examples, Mary. Well, in my case, my son was on it nonstop, and I didn't realize that I should set some parameters around it. I, I think it was just like I was oblivious to it. And you thought it was harmless. Right. Mm. That's the main thing. But what I started to see happening is his grades went down. He dropped out of uh, basketball. He um, just uh, stopped having friends that he'd do stuff with. Everything was done on the computer. Mm. And that, to me, was um, <clears throat> just mind-boggling because this was a young man who was happy and involved in life, had lots of friends, and it changed overnight. So isolating. Yeah, he was really, and to the point where he wasn't even coming out of his room. So, uh, you know, through um, my research, I've learned that uh, I have a right as a parent to set some parameters. In fact, I need to because he, you know, he doesn't do it. It's just like having alcohol, mm. you know, no restraints on alcohol. You have to think of it in that context, almost a paradigm shift yeah, yeah. in how you view this. That could not have been an easy uh, situation for you. It wasn't. And, you know, the main thing is, is that it was hard to take it away from him yeah. because he was getting more and more angry and, you know, he felt that it was his right and he basically that's the only place he went to socialize yeah. so it was hard to take that away mm -hmm. but what I've learned is that he doesn't have to be away all the time if we he can learn to manage it on his own then you know he'll be able to continue are we to talking a moderation management right, model sort of a harm reduction model, right, right right oh my goodness this is the first summer we've done it where we've taken it away and he's you know had to be um, you know doing other things you know expect expectations that he would be doing other things but one of the things that came up 
up today, as a matter of fact, there was a young man who I was speaking with, and he said, you know, how can you expect kids to just give up technology? You know, they're so it's so ingrained in their uh, their lifestyle, and they're you know, in many cases, these kids are finding um, recognition online and the game playing that they do. How can you just take that away from them? What are they going to have to replace it? And I think that's key. You know, we need to think about that. You know, if this particular device is giving them, you know, socialization and it's making them feel good because, you know, in the case of video gaming, you know, they uh, develop a level of recognition because they're good at it. It's so to take that away, just, you know, cold turkey is not a good idea. We're talking to Mary Schatz about CIS, compulsive internet usage. How much is too much? Well, that's a good question too because um, some of them use it for, uh, you know, their schoolwork. Some of them are just, you know, answering emails. It's not necessarily that the number of hours is what the research is showing. It's what happens to their lives and what happens to them. How are they uh, you know, integrating technology into their life? Are they able to stop when it's time to go have dinner? Are they able to go out and do things? Um, so it's not necessarily the numbers of hours. It's more what happens to the youth that, you know, is using it. What are what changes are you seeing as a result of how much time they're spending on it? Is it a matter of monitoring the usage? It is, but the other piece is that you, you know, being um, uh, an authoritative, taking their technology away, the research is clear that that's not the answer. Or putting on devices to try to keep them from watching or playing or whatever, um, that that is not the answer. The answer is, is to develop a relationship with your child so that they feel comfortable talking to you and asking them, you know, how do you, how do you feel about your technologies and having them feel enough comfort and support to be able to talk about it with their parents. That's really the key. Mary Schatz is a researcher and uh, doing a presentation here at the 40th annual NADAC conference. What do you say, Mary, to parents that are listening tonight that are where you are with their children? Well, I think, um, number one, you need to have some family rules, you know, which I didn't have, uh, around how much time is allowed, maybe taking one day off. In fact, I heard uh, this one woman from Canada, she's an occupation, pediatric occupational therapist, and her rule is one hour a day where you take a break, one day a week where you take a break, and one week a year where you take a break from your technology use. And I think that's a good rule of thumb where you set up some you know, parameters each day. There's an hour where there's no technology use or you take away the computer and the phone at night. You know, I think that's very important because a lot of them do a lot of it when they're you're in bed. Right, right. Right. So it's setting those uh, uh, guidelines, those rules, there's nothing wrong with that. That's I think a lot of parents are afraid to do it. They don't know if they should, um, and so we need to start talking about that, that it's important to set rules around technology use in your home and to also take a look at your own usage. You know, are you listening to your child or are you on your Facebook page while they're telling you about their school day? You know, it's about being a role model of responsible use of technology, mm -hmm. too. Are there any... I, I, I hesitate to even ask this. Are there any good online resources yes. where, where people can go and find out ways to deal with the situation? 
Well, there are. Um, there's a treatment program in our state that actually is inpatient for pe for gamers, um, but it's for adult or young adult gamers. Is that in Issaquah? Yes, yeah. it's Fall City. Mm -hmm. It's called Restart, and um, it's a wonderful uh, concept, and they do a good job. But it's uh, for profit, so there's a lot of youth whose families can't afford to yeah. put them in there, and that's one of the things that their director is trying to push is setting up a nonprofit for young people who need the help but can't afford the Are price. there 12-step groups? Yes, there are. Uh, Mary Schatz has been joining us. She's a researcher, has got a poster session here at the NADAC conference uh, talking about a, a very serious problem that not only for kids but for adults and for anybody who lives in the society today and that is the compulsive use of the internet mm -hmm. and smartphones and and all of the things and who knows what's coming down the line but uh, our program is being brought to you tonight by the good folks at Bow Creek and Bella Vista Recovery Centers just outside of Boise Idaho helping patients on the path to recovery their website is addictiontreatmentrehab.com we are at the 40th annual NADAC conference nice to have you with us tonight we're going to take a short break Back with more right after this. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education, offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm -hmm. More mm -hmm. lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. No. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. <laughs> Try new Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. You knew you couldn't go on like this. Alcohol was ruining your life. But there was no way you could take time away from work to get help until now. Sundown Am Ranch Outpatient Program fits your schedule and it works. Sundown Am Ranch, located outside of Yakima, Washington, offers individual, group, and family counseling, plus relapse prevention services. Their nationally recognized drug and alcohol treatment programs will put you on the road to recovery. Get your life back on track. Go online at www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are at the 40th Annual Conference of NADAC, a great, great organization. I've been in this field about 38 years. NADAC's been around 40 years. When I came into the field, there were two primary organizations. One was the National Council on Alcoholism. The other was NADAC. And so we're delighted to be here. Our broadcast is being brought to you in part by Eve Ruff, CEO of Residence 12 for Women. It's in Kirkland, Washington. It's where recovery is reality www.residence12.com. 
Joining us in this segment is Gary Blanchard with the Positive Path Counseling Center. He's a member of the NADAC Board of Directors, and we are here at the NADAC Conference. And he stopped by the broadcast location. Gary, nice to meet you. Welcome. It's nice meeting you, too. Yes, all the way from Ware, Massachusetts. Ware? Ware. Ware, yes. That's W-A-R-E. Tell me about Positive Path Counseling Center and... We're going to talk about medication-assisted treatment as well. Sure. Positive Path Counseling Center was something that I, I opened. The town of Ware, Massachusetts is a small town that had nobody serving it for, for addiction treatment. Really? So I opened up a, a private practice, and I call it Positive Path because I like to find the person's strengths mm-hmm. and to build on those strengths and help them to build their, their uh, focus and to build their belief in themselves and to build their recovery and let's face it every path is different absolutely each person has their own path my job is to help them find their path Mm. as long as it is a path and as long as it results in recovery you know there's a lot of controversy obviously still about medication management in, in recovery tell me how that blends into what you're doing well what I found was that you know for my personal experience, mm-hmm. I was uh, diagnosed with uh, clinical depression 25 years ago. And for me, medication and therapy got me to the place where I was ready to move forward in my life. 42 years old, I entered college, wow. got my bachelor's degree. 50 got my master's degree. Good for you. Started my master's degree in 50, at 50, and at 52 graduated. Wow, Gary. So, uh, yeah. That's a great story. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that was my path. And I found that if I had just done the medication for depression, I would not be where I'm at. Right. If I had only done the therapy for depression, I wouldn't be where I'm at. The combination of the two worked. And I found as I got into the addiction field that people felt they needed medication to get where they wanted to be. But then the counseling field was sometimes rejecting them. Mm. and telling them that they weren't in recovery and they wouldn't work with them. And I felt that it was important to meet the person where they're at. If they're using the medication, let me help them build the other skills they need to have continued recovery. Right. And that's really just one of the tools in in the tool chest is is medication. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not the silver bullet. It's not the magic bullet. It's like, well, if I take this particular drug, I don't have to do anything else. Right, right. There was a slogan in the uh, methadone recovery Mm -hmm. movement, uh, methadone is recovery. And I appreciated what they were trying to say, but what, what it is is methadone can be part of recovery. Right. That, you know, recovery... You know, the difference between abstinence and recovery is something that people often miss. Right. And that recovery means rebuilding yourself, rebuilding your life, rebuilding your skills. And that medication may be a part of that because it stabilizes you. But then you've got to do that work as well. And the person won't do the work if we're not reaching out to them and helping them to do that work. You know, we throw out the term relapse prevention in this field all the time. I don't like to use that. I like to call it recovery enhancement. You know, it's funny you say that because my approach is building recovery. Right. Enhancing recovery. Being better in recovery today than you were yesterday. Exactly. And there's so many ways that you can do that. And and like you said, and it's a very basic statement, abstinence is not recovery. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel that if we get a person to 
build recovery, they will prevent relapse. But they're focused on being successful rather than being focused on not failing. And if they're focused on not failing, that puts the, the thought of failure in your mind. So I like to keep, you know, I that agree. falls in with that positive path. Absolutely, absolutely. Gary Blanchard joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast for a few moments from the Positive Path Counseling Center back in Ware, Massachusetts. You can find all about his great program at PositivePathCounseling.org. That's PositivePathCounseling, all one word, dot org. Gary is here at the 40th Annual Conference of NADAC uh, and talking about medication-assisted treatment. What, what are some of the success stories that, that you have seen, you've found out about in, in terms of people who are using medication as one tool in that toolbox? Yeah, what I've found is that when people engage in the counseling process, they're much more likely to be successful. And the one thing I like is that we begin to have that conversation about when do I stop taking the medication? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I work carefully with the physicians in the area who are prescribing Suboxone. Mm -hmm. And if the, when the conversation comes up about when to come off the medication, we, the three of us, join that conversation. And, you know, the doctor talks about what he's seeing physically. I talk about what I'm seeing right. cognitively, behaviorally, and then the client talks about how he's feeling. And when we come to a joint decision and work as a team to get the person to come off the medication when they're ready, they're much more successful. So, How long does it take usually, and I realize everyone is different, in terms of getting off the medication? You know, I, and you're right, it really does vary from person to person. And I think that some people uh, ju just don't feel ready yet, and that's where my job is, mm -hmm. is to build their their confidence to where they can feel that they can step away from taking medication. Uh, but I would say probably at a minimum of, of a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, simply because, you know, you're learning a whole new way of living. So you need more than just white knuckling. Right, right. Of course, of course. What about the family's role in all of this, Gary? You know, I think the, the best thing the family can do is to support the person in their path of recovery. And so often the family members are pushing the person to not be on medication and not realizing that that is the one thing that one of the things that is helping the person to be successful. Right. So the person needs, the family needs to give encouragement, not judge what the person is doing, and to, to uh, also understand that they have a hard time understanding addiction because it's not rational. Mm -hmm. But they're looking at it rationally. Right, 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 <clears throat> you know, right. Sure, it doesn't make sense that the person is continuing to use despite negative consequences, but their thinking isn't rational at this yeah, point. Yeah. So you have to put yourself where the person is and understand where their thought processes are and do what you can to try to get their thought processes where they need to be, just as we're doing as therapists. Gary Blanchard joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast from Ware, Massachusetts, licensed counselor in a program called Positive Path Counseling. Uh, PositivePathCounseling.org is the website. And it's really kind of a double whammy for uh, for these uh, clients or patients because, number one, there's, there's the stigma of addiction, and number two is the stigma of using medication. Absolutely. You know, and that stigma is something that we in the addiction field need to work mm -hmm. to uh, minimize and eliminate yeah. 
that. I make a point to find the doctors who are prescribing medications for uh, recovery, and I connect with them, I network with them. Good for you. And I went to one doctor, and he said, you know, I'm glad you came in, because I had just, and the counselor told them that he couldn't help him until he got off the medication. Oh. He said, you know, you're not in recovery. When you're ready for recovery, come back and talk to me. So, That's you know, heartbreaking. Right, right. So, you know, that particular person may never go to see a, a therapist at this point, see yeah, a counselor. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that we as counselors and we, you know, people in recovery need to say, okay, this is your path. And we will support you in this path. You know, the uh, big thing a while back was you go to war with the army that you have, not the army you want. Yeah, yeah. And and you start building recovery with the person you have, not the person you want. Right, right. It's, it's very interesting, and I'm sure that folks in where are grateful to have you as a resource because, as you said, there was nothing there before you started. Right. Before I started, there was, there was nothing. And uh, I am still at this moment the only wow. resource. It's a, a small town with no public transportation. It's a poor town. It's an old mill town without a mill anymore. Mm. And uh, a lot of people who do not have access to cars, and they can't get to places where treatment is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it, it really was important, I think, to open a spot. And I'm so centrally located, which was just a, a stroke of luck, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's worked out well. You, you're a member of the board of NADAC. How long have you been on the board? I've been on the board for the Massachusetts chapter for seven years now. Good for you. And I just became president of our local chapter, mm -hmm. which then puts me on the, the, the right. national board right. this year. It is a great organization. I, I've, I've been fond of it ever since I came in the field. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, uh, it really is. You know, they've, they've done an awful lot for the field. They've done a lot uh, both for the professional and for the, the person who is struggling with addiction. Absolutely. Gary Blanchard joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, Gary runs a program called Positive Path Counseling Center. You can find more about his program by going to positivepathcounseling.org. Gary, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm Neil Scott. The program Recovery Coast to Coast. We are at the 40th annual Conference of NADAC. Our program is being brought to you in part by Eve Ruff, CEO of Residence 12 for Women. They're in Kirkland, Washington. You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, a program feature of the Nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday, from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery.